Are you guys good? Everyone good this side? Happiness? Um, everyone understanding what you can afford? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thought I should just go with that a bit more. <laughs> but listen, it is, it is wisdom from the Word of God, amen? And um, you know, uh, this morning... Uh, we wanted to carry on with uh, what we were talking about last week, because uh, a lot of people that I spoke to uh, um, after last week, one, two, is it a bit wow 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 Can you guys hear it fine? Okay, it's fine. Um, yeah, we were, uh, I spoke to a lot of people about uh, our discussion last week, you know, hey, man, there's some nerves that were touched last week. I don't know what, uh, what happened, but yes. <laughs> So the big it off, you know, and the thing is, is that there can be a reality to every single one of us that, um, you know, when we are discovering what it is to be in Christ and, and uh, you know, this, this transformation that we're to undergo when we're walking with God, it can be quite, uh, not unnerving, maybe it, it, it's quite a shift. You know, it, it, it's very challenging because, um, you know, one of the hardest principles in life is learning. You know what I'm saying? That's why in the world, uh, in the digital world that we live in, it's so much easier to just consume, right? How many of you have subscriptions to your channels? You know, Netflix, Amazon, Candy. Why are you nodding your head like that? How many of you got candy? How many of you got five? I know I use your Netflix. It's <laughs> but, uh, but we live in a world that's, that's really focused on making us consumers. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and what tends to happen when we become consumers is that we conform more and more and more to our environment instead of making our environment conform to what's transforming in us. Are you with me? So, for example, like the message, you know, with the stewardship this morning, you know, if, if we are not people who are seeking to diligently live, um, you know, with the wisdom that God has given us, Wherever we go, we will just be appropriating the, the, the corruption from the environment. Are you guys with me? And we see that everywhere we go in every area of our lives, right? But last week we were talking about how we have the responsibility and the accountability, you know, as children of God to, um, to make sure that we are appropriating the potential in us, you know? And uh, I think we wanted to close it off with this basic example, okay? Anyone here ever played a sport? Wave at me. Okay, Linda, what did you play, Linda? Soccer, oh. Okay, soccer, nice. Uh, hands this side, I saw hands. Jess, what did you play? Hockey, netball, this side. JR, you played rugby. Ah, you must be rugby, but you, hey. Mel? Cross country, running races. Okay, cool, that side there. Zoe, you played a sport? No, Zoe. Oh, you, you tried for all the sports. Okay, fantastic. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Grant was gymnastics, right? So now, yeah, gymnastics, whatever. Anyone here ever uh, learned a skill, whether it's carpentry, music, painting, anyone? Yes? You know something that you had to learn, right? When you started off the sport, the learning, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. When you started off with the sport, the learning, you know, all this sort of stuff, um, what was the only motivation you had to pursue this? Anyone want to give a stab at that? Enjoyment? Jesse, okay, cool. To be able to do it, right? So you, you saw something, you were like, Jesse, that's Roger Federer, I want to hit the back end like that. Okay, you know, that's, that's the thing, you know. Um, same with education. There is a, a skill that we want to be disciplined in, we want to learn. 
Um, so we see people in the environment and they're doing it, right? We're like, hey, I want to be an engineer. I want to be a doctor. Uh, you know, I want to be in computers, whatever it is. It's amazing that when we come to the kingdom of God and being children of God, for some reason, I don't know where along the way it got lost, but that process doesn't exist to people. But the process is very real in the word of God. You know what I'm saying? You know, and uh, Sheldon, you asked that question last week, you know, about, um, okay, but we're by grace, so are we doing things? You know, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know? And that's a lot of, it is a position that a lot of people find themselves in is because, okay, I'm just saved now, so what? You know? And the principle is this, guys, is that we are not saved to just merely escape our pain, escape our suffering. Because you see, if we just merely escape our pain and our suffering, we never fix the root that's causing it. Are you guys with me? So if we've had pain and suffering, let's say in finances, for example, right? Like you did with stewardship this morning. You know, there is a cycle, and and we've discussed this many times, How and you mentioned this morning about parents. You know, how the parents set the temperature of how kids deal with money. You know what I'm saying? And, And, you know, growing up, uh, um, my, my parents, they, they were very uh, uh, sort of, they gave me independence in like, they included me in the process of, you know, opening bank accounts and saving and, you know, all that stuff. I used to talk to my friends at school. I'm like, yeah, I opened my bank account yesterday and all that stuff. And he's like, what's that, dude? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, no, what do you mean? You opened a bank account. I'm like, where do you keep your money? He's like, my mom gives it to me and I put it in my pockets. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so there is that transference that takes place. And when we start life, Okay, we live life with all of those uh, teachings and lessons, right? And that's about relationships, that's about money, that's about career, it's about value, purpose, it's about all these things, okay? Now, in the process of being born again, we need to understand that there's new processes we need to learn. Because just as we were appropriating physically all the lessons that we learned from our parents, our our peers, our experiences, our education, right? In the same way now, we need to physically appropriate what we're learning from God. But the key is this, we don't appropriate it unless we learn it, unless we be diligent to appropriate it. Are you guys with me? And we wanted to close it off this morning with, with faith, right? Now, oh, bash, really, Christians by faith, come on, I mean, oh my gosh. But the truth is this, is that I think faith is one of those things that a lot of people um, create simple pictures about, right? Now, faith is a simple construct. It's a very, not a construct, principle, right? It's a very simple principle, but it is possibly our most significant principle as believers in God, all right? Why do I say that? It's because how do you know that you're sitting here this morning that you're a child of God? Oof, Bash, what do you say? I'm not causing you to doubt your salvation, guys. That's not what I'm doing. Okay? I'm just talking about the significance of the principle of faith because all you've got is this. What guarantee, right, do you have that you are now a child of God, you're one spirit with him, you know, the Holy Spirit's alive inside of you. You only got this. And along the way, if you choose to appropriate that, you will experience it in the physical. Are you with me? Why then do we use different measures with every other principle of God? We use a bank account to dictate blessing. We use physical health to dictate healing. 
We use external performance to dictate righteousness. Behavior for holiness. And Christians have crippled themselves because they want to measure all these physical attributes, but they will not use the same faith that made them born again. Listen to what I'm saying, guys. Because listen, this is, this is what it's truly about, you know. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6. And we'll close with this. No, we probably won't. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, they started laughing, did Ah, ah. They said church is a safe place, eh? <laughs> um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6. Um, let's go from verse 9, I think. Let's go from verse 9. Can you give me NIV as well? So even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. 11. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Right? 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is, possible for, uh, it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us uh, may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now this thing is talking about an anchor for our souls, right? The anchor for our souls. Now here's the thing. You could be going through so much chaos in life in so many areas, but not once in any of that chaos do you, uh, do you doubt about going to heaven, right? Right? So now... The same anchor, biblically speaking, when you go and read about this gospel that Paul and all the apostles wrote about, that same anchor that gives you that full assurance of salvation and eternity in heaven, they teach us that it is the same anchor that gives you every single day in every area of your life. See, the minute you replace those anchors, you're asking for trouble. Because there it says, because God could not swear by someone greater than him, he swore by himself. That's the assurance. But now here's the thing. It's our internal negotiation, right? So God, I can't negotiate heaven or hell. I mean, I, got, I don't know. You are holy. You're righteous. I'll just trust what you say there. But I'll negotiate provision with myself. I'll negotiate relationships. I'll negotiate health. I'll negotiate all these things with myself. But listen, heaven or hell, you handle, Lord. 
Now listen, we, you can live like that. And I mean, we've all been living like that at some area in our lives, at some point in our lives. But we need to understand that if we choose to live like that, we will never have confidence as the sons and daughters of God. Because every day we're making commitments to things that aren't what God swore by. Are you with me? So when we're talking about this process of, okay, the potential that is inside of me. I mean, I could have been the greatest Wimbledon player. I could have. Let's be honest. Hey, hey, don't be rude, okay? <laughs> but the thing is this, is that, and if that potential was in me, it was my responsibility to steward that and to do what is necessary to bring it to its maximum. Are you with me? So when I practice tennis, for example, and you know, funny thing, I was going to come in my full tennis gear today. I was going to wear the headband and everything, but I thought it was going to be really uncomfortable playing guitar and tennis gear. I don't know. <laughs> so I would watch Roger Federer, and I'm like, man, this is the dude. You know, you watch every move. You check how he swings back that serve. He looks like a ballerina with his backhand. Man, it's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, even me, right? I had an image that I was going towards. As children of God, what is the image you're going towards? Is your image just to get rid of your pain? Get rid of your lack? Get rid of your insecurity? What is it? No. The image that we have been given is what? Jesus. So just like in all those disciplines that everyone mentioned that they learned this morning, whether it's sports, talents, hobbies, academics, whatever it is, we had an image we were going towards. You start your degree, they tell you, listen, by the end of three years, you're going to be able to do this. And then they give you some examples of people who have similar degrees. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be like that. Right? With now the potential that has been put in us by the king, because of the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit inside of us, what image have we committed to? Because, guys, I'm telling you this now. There is nothing more God needs to do in your life. Nothing. If you're waiting for God to do something in your life, what you have not done is focus on the vision that's inside of you. Amen? You have forgotten, like we mentioned, that you are now redeemed. That the only limitation you have in your life is because of yourself. It's because when you're looking at the vision of Jesus, you are not seeing what he does in that area that you're limited in. You're keeping to what your parents did, and Opa and Oma. And the guy driving the Ford next door, right? Are you guys with me? So when we now talk about this transformation process, it's also by faith. Because you see, there's a very interesting principle in the Bible about words, guys. And it's basic communication. You know, in the old days, they used to name their children based on the circumstance they were born in, right? So if you're born under a bush, sorry, your, your name's going to be related to being born under a bush, Okay. You're laughing. It happened in Genesis, okay? In the desert, under the bush. Was it Ishmael? I think Just it was. Imagine your name is Bushy Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough word, man. Bushy Raghavan. <laughs> right? And words, words, right, create those associations for us of reality, okay? So when we now say salvation, when we say blessing, when we say provision, when we say holiness, righteousness, you know, when we say marriage, husband, wife, brother, sister, pastor, evangelist, prophet, when we say all these things, are we getting the images that are in here? For example, we say peace, and everyone has an image of peace. It's there's no war, 
Everyone waves at each other, and there's rainbows and ponies, and you know all this sort of stuff. That's peace. It's beautiful, right? But what is biblical peace? Are you with me? When we talk about, when we talk about holiness, do you think of the Pope? I should hope not, because he's the most unholy, right? I hope you're not thinking of the Pope, right? But these associations that we make, we need to make sure that we get the ones that God has defined. So when we say faith, right? When you understand faith, it's not that God's going to make something magical happen. That's not faith. Faith is that, Lord, I'm trusting in your word. What does that mean? It means I'm not out of the situation. It means that I'm not, I don't have to like, you know, abdicate this thing. I'm like, no, it's not mine. No, it means that I'm here, but I trust fully and completely that you will lead me. Amen? Doesn't matter how it goes up or how it goes down, we come back to the anchor for our souls. Are you with me? Because there is no circumstance that can change this, but this can change every circumstance. Are you guys with me? So we need to understand, guys, that when you hear these principles and when you think of these things, don't hold to your definition, you know? Get into the definitions that are in the Word of God. Child of God, what does that mean? You know? Fool, what does that mean? It's not Klaus Schwab's. He's probably on scoffer level already. I don't know. But are, are you guys with me? You understand what I'm saying this morning? And I know we, we are completely over time, but... Worship was sweet this morning. Uh, yo, it, was, it felt so tender, you know, so, so gentle. Um, but guys, wherever you are, right, your natural resistance against things, your, your, your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, will be resisting the righteousness of God. But who you are in Jesus, a son and daughter of God, right, anchor yourself in his word. Hold fast to that benchmark that, okay, I'm not going to move until I know what to do here. It's like, ah, oh, no, but I need that thing. You don't. There is nothing that you need from this world because you are whole and complete in Jesus. And it's your choice to choose to believe that. And it goes the same in every area of your life. Amen. And we're going to close with this though. It's your choice to experience that wholeness. Amen. Are you experiencing that wholeness? I mean, why are you coming to church? If you gain a heaven, Jesus died and he's given you the ticket. Why are you coming here? Because you love it. But you're coming here because you want to learn how to grow. Amen? You want to learn how to grow in each and every one of those departments that God has bought and paid for you to experience. Why do we think the body of Christ has the same amount of divorce as the church? I mean, as the world. Sorry. Are you with me? When we're sitting at the family bra, there's just as many reborn Christians that are on antidepressants as the unborn family or the unsaved family. They're going through the same divorce situation. They're going through the same financial issues. They're going through the same relational issues. They're going through all the same things. Why? Because of this very principle that he's bringing out. Because they're not coming to learn how to steward those things. They want to be happy, happy on a Sunday, go back to doing it their own way on a Monday, and never grow. I've got news for those kinds of Christians. <clears throat> when Jesus told the parable of the, of the talents, 
At the end of the parable, he says he comes back. The master comes back to do what? It says in Matthew 29, 15, it says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Are you listening to me? He's going to come and settle accounts with you. It tells us in, in Corinthians that when we stand before God at the Bema seat of judgment, our whole entire lives are either going to be burnt up on an altar where we did it our way, or we're going to have the gold that will see through eternity. Are you with me? God's coming to settle accounts. If you haven't taken the time to learn how to be a man through the Word of God so that you can treat a woman properly, there's going to be a day of account settling with you. It's just how it goes. Sorry, why would you think that that doesn't apply to the church? God didn't give birth to a church to be a bunch of purposeless uh, people that run around never growing, never learning, never transforming, just staying the same old dudes they were before they got reborn. Does that sound like a plan of salvation of God? No. We have to add to our salvation faithfulness, integrity. We have to add to those things. Why? Because we've tasted the goodness of God and we want more. We've truly tasted and we want more. Are you with me? There is coming a time where God's going to settle accounts with you. You can't get away. It doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with how faithful have you been with the gift of salvation. And don't think for one second just knowing that you're going to heaven is going to bring you happiness. Because you know why? You can go to heaven and never, ever have a sense of achievement or fulfillment in your life. Why? Because you've never taken anything that God said you have and worked it out to the point where you are actually uh, sensing success, sensing achievement, sensing fulfillment, sensing meaning in your life. Because you just stayed the same old, sorry, dude, but I've got a ticket to heaven. And that's why in that same parable he says, the more, he doesn't, he actually comes to settle accounts with what you have been given. So what he's given me is different to what he's given JR. JR has different gifts, different talents, different capacities in him that I have. And when he comes back to settle with him, he's going to settle, I gave you this, 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 and that. What have you done with it? He's going to come back, he's going to settle with me. I gave you this. What did you do with it? It's not about how much, you, how much you do. It's about how you've stewarded what he gave you. That parable always gets turned into money all the time. Yeah. But it's talking about the gift of salvation inside you. And money is a part of that. Are you with me? So somebody who has an aptitude of a rocket science, a scientist, <laughs> he's obviously got a higher aptitude than me. Is he not more accountable in that stuff than I am? He is. Because he's got, he's got, a, he's got a certain 
a, a, a specific gift that God has put in him. And he decides to go work at Checkers as a packer. But he has the attitude of a rocket scientist. Guys, he's going to be accountable for that. It's a gift. The only reason why he didn't go build rockets and send them, send them to the moon is because he never had faith in who he was in Jesus. He never applied the principles to the gift. Amen. Awesome. So remember that. We're going to go into this. We're going to be breaking down the parables because it's going to challenge us. Amen. We need to be challenged because the flesh is always dragging us down. Are you with me? Awesome. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a good steward. <laughs>